It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes? Aaron here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe on this lovely Tuesday morning, alongside from the Washita Citizen, Jake Martin. What up, Jake Martin? What's happening? Plenty to discuss over the next two hours. We, of course, want to hear from you on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. 888-993-7762. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. Start jotting down some headlines this morning, and boy. Quite a few things to talk about. Certainly is. Well, why don't you lead us off? Where do you want to start? Uh, where would you like to start? <laughs> okay. Pass the buck back to me. Uh, let's start with NFL owners meetings because uh, NFL owners are meeting. And, of course, all the head coaches right now sitting down in one room. How cool would that be? Um, cool for a fan? Is it cool for a coach? Probably not. Yeah. Like, oh, i got to do another one of these media responsibilities. People got to fire questions at me. And I'm sure there's some coaches you don't like, right? I don't know if like or dislike. Sean is. Payton, do you think he has a lot of fans in there? Yeah, he's got a few. A lot is was the uh, question I asked. <laughs> uh, with you mean with his peers, his colleagues? Yeah. There's probably some awkward conversations every once I'm in a sure, while. I'm sure. I'm uh, sure. Sean Payton is uh, talking to a couple media members from New Orleans as we speak, and I just went through my Twitter timeline and a couple things that were addressed. Uh, Jimmy Graham, and it does sound like that there was interest on both sides, but uh, his quote was that his price point exceeded our expectations. Well, good. I'm good. I'm happy to hear that. Mm-hmm. And I've 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 not been heartbroken at all about this. Like ever since it was announced that he was going to play for Green Bay. Okay, good for him. He got paid. Good for him. He's also asked about Lamar Jackson and just some glowing quotes about Jackson and of course perhaps his future in the NFL. Did also see on the Twitter feed that uh, he said that the next quarterback will not be quote a Breeze clone. But then again, could you have a clone of Breeze? No, but should we read more into that and think that maybe he does want a more mobile mm-hmm. guy? Perhaps. Maybe. And uh, he did also say that they'll address the wide receiver issues in the free agency. A couple of things of note, and the biggest note uh, coming from the Saints at the owners' meetings, of course, was the fact that Gail Benson did address the media yesterday for the first time as the, I guess we call it, the new owner of the New Orleans Saints, with the passing of her husband, Tom, 12 days ago. She uh, continued to elaborate and continued to say, of course, that both franchises are solid, and, of course, she has no intentions of moving the Saints or the Pels or even selling the Saints or the Pels. Yeah, certainly good to hear. I got several different uh, sound bites from her lawyer later in the show. Uh, she came off extremely likable. You're going to be impressed, Jake. Okay. Is she like Sister Jean likable, or is anybody on that level? <laughs> the Q rating? <laughs> She's very likable. Or is she like Jalen Rose's grandmother likable? The, the more that I watched it, though, I was like, I started thinking, well, well, how hard would it be to be an NFL owner if you have the right people in place, the right people calling the shots? And I'm sure Gail Benson will fire her back. Well, how hard is it to get on the radio two hours a day? How hard is it to fill four minutes of local content every day on the TV show? Uh, so, some days it's a little more difficult <laughs> than others, right? Uh, I don't know, man. I, honestly, that's what they say about all great business people. Yeah. Just surround yourself yeah. with brilliant people, with, with smart people, and let them, you know, let them make decisions. We'll dive into it a little bit later in the show, but uh, I did look it up. Uh, Forbes has projected the Saints worth $971 million. Hmm. 
The Pels, though, uh, according to several different reports in 2017 from ESPN, were one of 14 NBA teams that actually lost money last year. So, well, that happens. Gail Benson, <laughs> it's not your money. Gail Benson <laughs> has, of course, some work to do on the Pels side, perhaps not on the well, Saints. Playoff side. bound this year, baby. There Hopefully. you go. Easy tie in. They got a big ball game tonight, correct? A huge ball game against the Blazers, the number three seed right now. Uh, the Pels are in fifth place. And, you know, if you're kind of looking at your watch here, they've got eight games left. Uh, and it's such a tight race. I think they're only like three games up on the number eight seed. So that just tells you that every game is a must win right now. And of course, you know, I'll tie this into some other news, mm -hmm. NBA news with the Warriors being, you know, number two seed right now. They have some injuries. They, Steph Curry has been ruled out of the first round. He has a grade two sprain yeah. in the MCL. And so kind of looking up some figures on this, um, I believe they are plus 14 when he plays. And only plus two when he's not on the court. And so he, you know, a lot of people like to poke fun at Steph Curry, and, and a lot of people like to say, you know, <clears throat> Kevin Durant's the the best player on that team. And I'll, 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 you know, let you have that argument. But I think people undervalue it just how how good Steph Curry is and how much he makes this Warriors offense go. So I think, uh, you know, if you look at this this playoff picture, Steph Curry is going to be out in the first round. You still got Thompson, Green, and Durant who are all battling nagging injuries. And so, <clears throat> it, all of a sudden, the NBA is starting to be, it's starting to be interesting because for the longest time we've said the only way this this the NBA is going to be interesting is if the Warriors get into some injury trouble, right? And and now they now they're suffering some injuries, and now the door seems to be creeping open. Another reason this is starting to get interesting too is LeBron James is playing out of his mind. Like, he's playing the best of his career, which is insane. I'll tell you these numbers since the – this is just for March. I mean, he's played uh, impressive since the All-Star break, but this is just March. Average of 31 points, 9.8 rebounds, 9.8 assists. Hmm. He's averaging a triple-double, and he's hitting 55% of his shots in March. So, I'm just saying, like, the, the man is in his, what, 15th year in the NBA, and he's playing like he never has before. So – He's starting to make me believe that okay, maybe he can you know turn it on and and keep it going in the postseason and who knows what can happen you know the the Warriors what if the Warriors get matched up what if the Pels lose a couple games and the Warriors get matched up with an AD in the Pels and mm. I know they've taken care of the Pels in the past but that's when Curry was on the floor without Curry what does that look like it's going to be a lot more isolation are they not going to pass it as much I'm just saying, if you if you're a fan of the NBA, you're you're liking what's going on right now because it's starting to get very very interesting. On the college uh, ranks, the uh, Final Four, of course, is set. We continue to look forward to Saturday's matchups on TBS. There was some college basketball news yesterday that kind of caught me by surprise, and I think a lot of people in the college basketball world, Texas Arlington, they're not huge on the national map, but they certainly are around these parts just because we see them quite often, whether it's against ULM or Louisiana Tech playing them in a non-conference game. Scott Cross always seemed to be, to me, one of the most established coaches in the league. Heck, I think he was there for 12 years, and they always seemed well-coached. They always seemed like the Mavericks always brought in a salty squad. He was fired yesterday. Yeah, this was the shocker of the day, without a doubt. Because when you look at it, Aaron, they were 27-9 last year. Yeah, 21-13 uh, this, this past year. Yeah. This, I, I mean, two. Yeah. If you, I guess two seasons ago, mm -hmm. but I'm talking about 2017. They were 27-9, and nine, mm -hmm. and they reached the quarterfinals of the NIT. Well, this past year, 21 wins, and they, of course, had the big win against uh, the Cajuns in the Sunbelt Conference semifinals and advanced all the way to the title game. He was one win away from being in the big dance, and now he's looking for another job. It's crazy. 72 wins in the last three seasons. Well, this is he took to Twitter, and he had a classy uh, classy post. Uh, he said, uh, at a meeting with Athletic Director Jim Baker today, I was informed that our on-the-court performance hasn't lived up to the expectations of the university and that he has desi desired to go a different direction. At that time, I was released as head coach. I am extremely proud of what we have accomplished in my time as head coach of my alma mater, we were able to build a program based on hard work, integrity, and doing things the right way. Although I take a great deal of pride 
in the championships, postseason appearances, and the 72 wins over the last three seasons. I am most grateful grateful for the long bus rides, the intense practices, and the relationships that have been built with our players, coaches, staffs, fans, and alumni during our time at UTA. So, Jake, this is another one of those situations. I know a lot of people don't like the word mid-major, and, of course, they always talk about loyalty of these schools or these programs that win one or two games in the NCAA tournament, then immediately their coaches become a hot commodity, and, of course, they have one foot out the door, yeah. and they're off to bigger and better things. Well, you look at a guy that had been there and, and literally had played there, I believe, and yeah. then was an assistant coach, and then as the head coach, stuck around, and then ultimately, after 12 years as the head man, they said, nope. We've had enough of you, even though you are one of our guys. Whether he was a player, assistant, or head coach, he had been there the last 23 years. Mm. 23 years. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, he didn't he didn't provide great results. He certainly did. I just told you. They reached the quarterfinals of the NIT mm. in 2017. So, NIT though. That's probably the key word though. Oh. Hmm. I look at the 72 I look at the 72 wins in 3 seasons. 72 wins in 3 seasons, but I'm just saying like are we are we at the point for for UTA where NIT simply isn't good enough? The quarterfinals of the NIT isn't good enough? Being an LSU guy, quarterfinals in NIT is not good enough for you. Uh, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see LSU last year? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see them? I keep saying last year. I mean, 2017. Well, you guys even turned down an invitation to NIT with uh, Ben Simmons. Well, you wanted to just uh, cut the head off. There. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, I scored one there. All right. Uh, no, I'm saying, like, uh, NIT's not so bad when you think about where LSU's been recently. Uh, there is this little uh, back and forth now, if you're into this kind of thing. Uh, Sister Jean at 98, and, of course, Jalen Rose's grandmother at the age of 100. She now fires back and says, Michigan will take care of Loyola Chicago. Uh, this Maybe is... she did not do it with that much vigor, but... You know, I, I walked in and you said, hey, you know, Jalen Rose's grandmother talked a little trash. I was like, oh, oh this could be awesome. Wrong. It was all playful. So I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, do you really expect a, a 98? I don't know. Jalen Rose's grandmother, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's you a know? good point. Uh, we talk about people, those two are aging well. Albert Bell yesterday, Ooh. he off the radar forever. Then all of a sudden yesterday, he's thrust back onto the national spotlight, not in a good way. Uh, he's had a, a checkered past, to say the least. The five-time All-Star who played for the Indians, White Sox, and Orioles. He's back in the headlines at the age of 51 for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, what was it? Indecent exposure. exposure driving under the influence. Uh. This all happened in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And then if that's not bad enough, then you look at his mugshot. That's what I was say. His mugshot, <laughs> he looks so terrible. Man. Not good, not good for Albert Bell. Uh, finished his career, of course, a Shreveport native with a 295 batting average and 381 home runs. Other headlines will stay in baseball. Had a couple of baseball games uh, yesterday in the high school ranks. West Monroe continues to streak along. They take care of airline nine to two. <laughs> Ever since they started burning things, right? Yeah, they bur- they burn the elk elk meat in the trash can, um, and it's provided Some batting gloves, batting gloves, school, uh, uh, lineup cards, you name it. They they dumped it all in there. But uh, listen, they've and I I think it's now six of seven. I think they've now won six of their last seven games. They've turned it on. Uh, Chase dejon has been ripping the cover off the ball. He hit a home run last night in that nine two win. Uh, and I believe he had six total hits against that in that Ruston series. So, yeah, this team's playing really well right now. Um, and they, you know, sometimes you just need something to kind of latch onto, and maybe that little ritual that they perform, maybe that's what you know they sunk their teeth into that and they bought in and uh, released the bad energy. A couple other scores: uh, Claiborne Christian over Bastrop. Ruston takes care of Franklin Parish eight to three. I believe uh, Franklin Parish is back in action tonight versus Sterlington. And OCS loses a game to Lakeside, 12-7. to Yeah, that's only their third loss. But I will say they haven't pitched Seth Treyweek in a while. I think he's dealing with some tendonitis. So um, I think that, that was one of those deals where they ran out of pitching. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's only their third loss of the season. A uh, big matchup on the diamond later today, weather permitting. On the girls' side, uh, Washita versus Ruston. The Lady Lions Huge. have been red hot. They had a mammoth week last week. 
what, winning five games against a lot of quality opponents, but now they're going to rematch against the Lady Bearcats, who actually beat them earlier in the year. Yeah, they're feeling it right now. They beat two. They beat the top two ranked teams in Division One and the top team in Division Two last week. And, of course, that's that was after they picked up two district victories. But uh, I think we're going to be good on the weather side. I, I'm just kind of looking ahead. I think, I think, yeah, I don't want to jinx it. But it looks like we're not going to get the bad weather till tomorrow. So I think we'll get some games tonight. Uh, in college baseball tonight, have ULM playing host to Jackson State. Hawks will be out for a little revenge. Uh, Jackson State got the best of them uh, earlier this year over there. You got ULLLO versus LSU down in New Orleans. Grambling this afternoon taking on Texas College. And the Red Hot Louisiana Tech Bulldogs on the road versus McNeese State. LSU, by the way, won't have Brent Broussard, who broke his thumb, and he'll be out three to five weeks. He was actually leading LSU in hitting, so that's a huge blow. And Josh Smith, who was supposed to start hitting yesterday, wasn't able to, so he's behind schedule as well. So they just can't catch a break with injuries. Uh, a couple other headlines we mentioned in the NFL and the owners' meetings taking place. How about Sue uh, finally coming to terms with the Rams, a one-year, $14 million deal? All right, well, I'll ask you the question that everybody wants to ask. Uh, is, does this make the Rams – does this give them the best defensive line in, Ooh, in football? Uh, probably pretty close. It's close. I still go with the Eagles, but if you start thinking about Sue and Donald – and Brockers, mm. oh, that's a nasty trio. Mm. By the way, uh, did you see the footage over the weekend of Gronk and Shaq? I did not. Oh, you need to YouTube it. Uh, everybody out there should YouTube it. Shaq had Gronk on his shoulders and trying to do some sort of dance. And I understand Shaquille O'Neal is a big man. But you put somebody the size of Gronk, and especially, at, what is Shaq, 50 years old? Is he 50? Uh, probably 47, 48. Probably, yeah. To put Gronk on y your shoulders. Oh, I mean, he's, he's a massive human being. Yes. Gronk is too, though. I, I know. I, a shirtless Gronk, too. Of course he was shirtless. <laughs> uh, I did see where Shaq said he's making more money now with all of his um, endorsements. endorsements than when he was in the NBA mm. on salary, which doesn't really surprise me. It was some kind of celebrity event, some kind of fundraiser, or perhaps just two guys having fun. Gronk on Shaquille O'Neal's shoulders. Must see. Yeah, I bet. What do you What do you Google over the weekends, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jake landed one. Nice. Oh, landed a few this morning. Well done. Uh, this has been rumored for quite some time. It is now on Facebook, so obviously it must be official. Uh, Bubby Brister, Neville Legend. He has a son. He's uh, going to be a junior. On Facebook, uh, the family putting that uh, Andrew Brister is heading to Neville and, of course, is looking forward to being a Neville Tiger. Bubby, of course, spent 15 years in the NFL, uh, 81 touchdown passes. His son's expected to be a promising QB. Well, that's a nice addition for the Neville Tigers. Part of the headlines this morning, if we missed one or two, hit us up on the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line, 888-993-7762. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Paint Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? starting lineup. Are you crying? <laughs> the starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. We're going to play a little four downs later on? Yes, sir. Get some spring football topics in. We'll discuss what the most compelling storylines are for every local school, so that'll be fun. Uh, Gus Cattengale will join us at 8 o'clock. We look forward to our weekly visit with Lane Burroughs. The Bulldogs head coach will join us at 8.30 as they get ready to hop on the bus and head down to McNeese State. Got plenty of sound coming up from uh, Gail Benson, the new yeah. Saints owner. Uh, got a couple other uh, odds and ends that we will certainly tie up as the show progresses. We also need help because we're kind of torn as to what's going to be our top 10 Thursday topic this week. I suggested, because of Loyola Chicago, the greatest upsets in the tournament history. Uh, you suggested favorite basketball coaches of all time, mm. college basketball yeah. coaches. I just felt like if we go down the route of the biggest upsets, a lot of them would be very similar to the greatest moments. Uh, two or three. The You'd craziest three. moments that we did last week. You would have two or three that were the same. but I, I just think didn't want to be redundant. I see. But I well, can be. Why don't we, you can be. You sure can be. Why don't we let the people decide, 888-993-7762, let us know. Would you rather us do a, t a countdown top ten of 
our favorite basketball coaches or the greatest upsets in March Madness history. Perhaps uh, former LSU head coach John Brady is on that list. Oh, I like what you did there. Uh, John Brady will be on the show uh, at 7.45 on Friday to break down the tournament. Perhaps we'll take a walk down memory lane with him the uh, year that uh, LSU advanced all the way to the Final Four. 06 with yeah. George Mason. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, some people thought we were going to get an all-SEC championship game. That didn't happen. UCLA had something to say about that. So we look forward to hearing from John Brady on Friday. Before that, of course, on Thursday, Top Ten Thursday, some of the best moments. Casey weighs in right away and says, greatest upset." Kelly, too. Kelly says upsets, too. You're, you're behind, Aaron. Well, no, it actually makes for better audio. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we can Whatever. Just, we can just try to find some Bobby Knight clips. <laughs> that would, honestly, that would, we could do a Top Ten Bob Knight quotes if we want to. Uh... Oh, there you go. Favorite coach, <laughs> college coach, no doubt. Top ten discussion. Uh, we got another one here from Cookie. Mentions the fact we met, uh, talked about Scott Cross getting fired from Texas Arlington. Cookie says school officials are idiots. Somebody says favorite coach, college basketball, no doubt. Top ten discussion. And Penn says I want y'all to rank the top ten LSU QBs. Could be a good list with Jordan Jefferson included. Well done. Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. We're back after this. All right, Jake, I asked you this question uh, earlier, and you kind of blew me off, which is very typical. How difficult is it to be uh, owner of an NFL or NBA franchise? Uh, since I have zero experience in both, yes, I feel like I can drop a lot of knowledge on you about this subject, mm-hmm. and I'll say... You could handle it? I don't know. It just depends on who you have surrounding you. Mm. You know, if you have a good GM, you know... You got Mickey Loomis? Yeah, it makes it a little bit easier, right? Mm. I mentioned that just because uh, now Gail Benson is coming. She was in the shadows before as the wife of Tom Benson. Now she's thrust into the spotlight as the owner at the new role. Of course, with the death of uh, Tom Benson uh, 12 days ago, she has been to every set of meetings since marrying Tom Benson in 2004. So these NFL owners' meetings aren't exactly new to her. Yeah. But her role, of course, has certainly shifted a bit. Yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, she was able to take in a lot of information while she was around. I'm sure she was able to. That's why I think this hopefully will be a somewhat easy transition. Uh, we talk all the time about the media and if some members have the <clears throat> to ask the hard-hitting questions. So a- <laughs> so would you have the <clears throat> to ask Gail Benson about this strained, and I don't even know if strained is the appropriate word, not strong enough, primary relations inside the Benson household. I think you would have to as it pertains to the ownership, right? Uh, well, she sat down for the first time basically with the New Orleans media and a couple other uh, national pundits yesterday, and uh, I listened to the entire interview, and quite frankly, I don't think it came up. Mm. But with that said, after listening to this Gail Benson interview, she comes across as extremely likable. And, you know, at some point, especially in your first meeting, maybe first interaction well, with her, do you really want to be the guy that comes out there and is the one grilling the grandmother? Also, is it too soon? You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, I know. We're pretty fresh off of it. I know. So maybe, maybe not this time. Okay. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough call. Uh, let's hear a portion of this interview where she sat down with the media members. Uh, it wasn't included in the back half of it. We'll get to that later in the show. But this was the lead where she was asked about selling the Saints or the Pels. And her quote was, I would never sell it. No. Here's more of a Gail Benson just on the death of her husband and, of course, both franchises moving forward. You know, he's been um, grooming me this for, grooming me for this for a very long time. Um, I didn't think it would come this soon, but yes, I'm prepared for it. Mrs. Hunting, do you feel the need to maybe continue the legacy you're hunting I'm sorry? Continue the legacy? Oh, absolutely. Left? He left an incredible footprint for us. He, had, he left me with some incredible executives, vice presidents, employees, so I plan to have everything stay as it was from the beginning, from what he started and what he left me with. What's your vision for both both franchises, long-term, short-term? Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, hopefully the NFL, uh, the NBA playoffs, 
and hopefully we'll get to the Super Bowl for him one more time or several more times, hopefully this year. You mentioned grooming for events like this, representing the team. Is there any advice uh, he gave you that, that helps you when you attend a meeting or even in front of the media that you kind of take with you? That he, gave you? Um, he just told me to pay attention, and he always thought I was smart, which I doubted that, but that's okay. <laughs> he, um, he thought that I'd be fine. He always told me that I would be, I would be good in this role. And um, it's a little humbling to hear somebody of his power to say that but I'm very happy to continue his legacy. How much, how much interaction have you had now with Mickey and Sean since, since your husband passed? Well, you know, Mickey and uh, Sean and Dennis and I work very closely and have been for the last several years, but these last few days have been um, more concentrated. Do you have anything that you want to say to the Saints fans? I am so grateful and so humbled that they were all there to see my husband. It was so nice. You mentioned, sorry. I really appreciated everybody coming out. It was so kind. And um, he would have been happy. We gave him a great send off. We had um, many people in the organization that worked on that. Um, the fans, the cathedral, the seminary, um, all the priests that came from all over to be there, um, all our executives, many of our staff, and the fans, everybody was just great. It was just so wonderful. What's been the reception from the rest of the NFL owners just going into your first meeting here? They have been so gracious and so kind to me, and I really appreciate it. I saw Jerry Jones in the hallway was one of the first, at least, I was able to see greet you. Did yes. you have any advice or special words, someone that's you know, so big in the NFL? You know, he told me, and many of the owners have told me, if I ever need anything that I can call on him, which was very kind and I really appreciate it. And Jerry was actually at the uh, wake for Mr. Benson, and several of the other owners were too, but Jerry was one of the first to show up. How would you describe what kind of leader you want to be in your leadership style? You know, I really don't want to change anything that my husband did. I feel like he had a, um, a phenomenal footprint that he left, and I want to keep it just as it is, because I think it was perfect. What was your football interest before you met, you met Mr. Benson? Well, before I met Mr. Benson, I really didn't know anything about football. <laughs> and, um, but I learned a lot in the last 14 years, and it's very exciting now. I remember him telling me a story that he wasn't into football when he first bought the team. Too. No, he wasn't. <laughs> and, um, but I feel like I have a little bit of an edge because he taught me so much, and so it was great. Yeah, he came in, I guess, blind. He's just yeah, like, oh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been teaching me all these years, so it was really an advantage, I think. Classy, professional. No way I answer ask that question. I was about to ask you. There's no you, chance. Where are you going to grill With her? With that tone, there's no chance. Yeah. You're right. Not There's, the time. No. Not the time. You can ask about uh, Renee and Rita and Ryan another time. Exactly. More coming from Gail Benson uh, later in the show when she's asked directly about the future of both franchises and what now she anticipates for the Pels and the Saints. 888-993-7762. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, more on the Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. All right, Jake, this is uh, right in your wheelhouse, two of your uh, favorite subjects, LSU football and Lane Kiffin. Oh, is it my birthday? And perhaps Matt Canada, too. Oh, trifecta. <laughs> so I see this headline. This came out a, a few days ago. Lane Kiffin jabs Matt Canada's LSU, LSU offense after film review. Quote, obviously, I did not help much. So, like a lot of times during the offseason, coaching staffs from one program visit another one. Uh, so, Kiffin was on uh, ESPN's 104.5 and said, I sent our defense staff there with uh, Coach O and Dave Aranda. They spent some time there, and I'm thankful to LSU for helping our guys out. He said, and you know, Coach O sent their offensive staff here, and obviously I didn't help much. <laughs> A little bit different offense. Uh, just mentioning how uh, LSU's offense did. They were seventh in the SEC in total offense last year, 411 yards per game. Ninth, though, in points per game, just uh, scoring 27 per contest. So then Kiffin went on during this interview and said, you got to understand, I just watched that bowl game yesterday, speaking of the Citrus Bowl between LSU and Notre Dame. 
I was watching LSU's offense, and I left Orgeron a message. I said, hey, do you like a bonus in the contract for your offensive coordinator? For every shift, he gets extra money. You guys had a shift every play. You guys were shifting players all over the place on offense. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why this is really news because – it's well, I, I thought it was because basically because Orgeron basically is not allowed to say anything against Matt Canada and Canada, the, sure. the deal that they worked out. So then he, you know, he's talking to his buddy, but it wasn't a great Lane singer, Kiffin. And so then Lane Kiffin gets an opportunity to jab LSU a little bit. And, of course, not LSU, really but Canada. more importantly, Canada. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I just I expected more out of my boy Lane. Yeah. Bring it a little harder next He's time. better on Twitter. He's better on Twitter. You're right. You're right. He's more of a writer. Uh, finally, he was asked about his thoughts and his opinion on Ensmaker, and he says, I don't know him that well. I know Steve was there when the staff came here last year. I know Coach O has a great background with him and great faith in him. I know that during the interim time with Coach Miles left, LSU had a pretty good run there when he was calling the plays. LSU put up some big numbers. So there you go. Lane Kiffin on LSU football. Thanks for that, Aaron. We're we're all appreciative that you shared that with us. I just figured it was two of your favorites or three of your favorites there. It'd be right up your alley. Indeed. All right, let's play a little four downs. Let's play some four downs. What we're going to do here is we're going to take Tech, Grambling, ULM, and LSU, and I'm going to be asking what the most compelling question is this spring. And I'll give you two options, Aaron. Let's start with Tech. All right. All right. These are two compelling questions I have. Tell me which one is the most compelling. Which running back emerges from the pack? I think that's something that's been discussed quite a bit. Or how does Jalen Ferguson look ahead of his senior year mm. since most fans thought they would only get three years mm-hmm. with him? And he didn't exactly have the season last year that everybody had anticipated. I mean, we talked. Statistically. And, we, and no. we played, of course, some, some sound clips from him in an interview that I had with him at the beginning of the year saying he was going to chase after, of course, the school record for sacks. But he wasn't as dominant as he was the previous year. With all that said, I go the other way. Uh, from everything I understand with Louisiana Tech's running backs, you only have three scholarship players there right now. Mm-hmm. So some would th- look at it on paper and they'd look a little thin at the running back spot. You got, of course, a Cam McKnight making that move from wide receiver to running back position. He played in the high school ranks. So I think that has to be the most compelling storyline for them. So I can't fully disagree. I'm like everyone else. I think finding a running back that breaks away from the pack is, and, of course, figuring out that depth is a huge concern and is a, is a big, you know, check mark for, for this, this spring. But I'm really interested in Jalen Ferguson right now. You know why? Because nobody's talking about mm-hmm. him. Like, it's it just been so quiet on that front. And, you know, Louisiana Tech is returning one of the best pass rushing defensive ends in school history. I mean, look at the list. And so, for a guy that's forced teams to include him in his game plan last year, you return that guy. And I understand he didn't have the best season last year, but he still matched his freshman total for sacks. And, you know, that's with teams accounting for him. So I, I, I take that as a, as a positive. I think he's going to – the fact that he didn't go to the draft as a junior makes me think he's going to be extremely motivated this year and have something to prove. So I can't wait to see what he does his senior season. And he's, he's, part, he's part of that group that, you know, when we look at Louisiana Tech, when we try to look at the schedule and, and predict how the season's going to go and, you know – what should be the realistic expectations of this team. He's part of the reason why my expectations are high. Mm. You know what I mean? And so that for that reason, I I just wanted to show him some love because mm. I just feel like nobody's really talked about him. Mm. So that's In terms of storylines, there's probably not a better heartwarming story than Jaquise Dancy, though, coming back Absolutely. from cancer. And yeah. he's in the mix to be I, I can't fight the, you on that the, one. the main bell cow. I mean, you're looking at a kid, the issues that he's had in the past, and now – He's going to have the opportunity to shine. Uh, last year, he certainly got a few, rushed for over 250 yards, two touchdowns. But he's in the mix to be one of the main guys yeah. next year from that back. That's a heck of a story. It really is. Uh, like I said, I can't fight you on that one. But uh, I don't know, two, two compelling uh, storylines to watch this spring for, for Louisiana Tech. All right, up next, ULM. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
I could have went a lot of different ways for ULM, but th- these were the two that I, I came down with. <laughs> should, should keeping the safeties healthy <laughs> be the major storyline this spring, or uh, should the backed-up quarterback competition get most of our interest? Defensively, just the issues, and we gave the statistics last year. I mean, it was just it was, oh, it was mind-boggling. As good as they were offensively, they were just as bad on the defensive side. And, of course, injuries had a big play, part to play with that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see where you go with that. And then, of course, on the other side, the quarterback issues and the number of guys that transferred out with the handwriting on the wall that Caleb uh-huh. Evans is the man. Yeah, so automatically uh, you want to go with defense. But, you know, I, and I look at that safety spot and the fact they suffered three injuries at safety last year. It's kind of unheard of. You don't really see that too often. Uh, but here, I think there's something to be said about this backup quarterback position battle because this is what spring is all about. It's all about, you know, you can take these little statistics from these spring practices and think what you want of them. But what I really like to look for in spring is is these uh, competitions and the depth. How is the depth rounding out? Because you know injuries are going to happen and – you know, you hope especially that the quarterback that uh, is mobile that runs a lot. Yeah. And you're going to expect a lot from Caleb Evans and, on and the hope, ground. You know, knock on wood. Hopefully, he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. But you, I mean, you, you know, I mean, we we watch football enough to know that you know quarterbacks get injured. So who's going to step up? All right, let's look case? at the two guys. And one of them, of course, being a local product in uh, J T. Jackson, helped lead Neville to a state championship his senior year. Then he goes off to Southeastern, mm-hmm. didn't work out down there as they went more to a, a rushing attack. Finds a new home at ULM, kind of buried on the depth chart last year. He's paid his dues. He certainly knows the system. You're looking at a kid that continues to get bigger. I mean, 6'3", 220 pounds. He looks the part. Uh, you got to think like he's got a fighting chance to be the backup quarterback. But he's going up against a kid, a junior college kid, in Brennan Wooten, yeah. a Tyler Junior College transfer, but he originally started at TCU. Yeah. And uh, by all reports, and if you look back in the high school rankings, he was the fourth pro-style quarterback in Texas at the time as a senior threw for 35 touchdown passes, landed up at TCU, got a very crowded uh, quarterback room there, decided to go to the Juco ranks, and now has found a home at ULM. Yeah, so you just took every, all the words out of my mouth. I mean, that's, that's, that's great to have when you lose a Garrett Smith and a Will Collins when they transfer it out. You need some depth, some backup depth, and I think you're going to get a really good quarterback competition between those two guys. I think both things you should keep an eye on, but uh, you know, while there's a lot of focus on defense this spring, I think it's important to find that backup quarterback that can step in just in case Caleb Evans does get hurt. All right, third down. For Grambling, He's, these are the two ones most compelling to me. Who will be Devontae Kincaid's successor? Mm. Or who will occupy the back end of a defense that had a breakout season last year? I think you got to start first with Kincaid and what he has done in the past two years for Grambling and trying to fill those enormous cleats. Sure. Uh, listen, and, and I, I get it. Um, Jeremy Hickenbottom is believed to be the front runner for Kincaid's vacant spot, but uh, I saw Corey Diaz said that Charles Wright has been taking first string reps. Um, so that's an intriguing storyline to follow. But for me, I'm going to try to go with the less obvious once again. You know, we, we talked so much about that grandma defense last year. It was kind of – it was fun to see because Kincaid, while he had a great year, his numbers weren't, you know, astronomical like we were anticipating. Uh, in fact, they won a lot of those games with just the defense dominating. And uh, we, we, we know what they return. But you look at the back end of that, that defense and the one – defensive starter in that defensive backfield Percy Carter is missing the spring with the right leg injury so I think that opens the door for competition and I think that's that's going to actually benefit Grambling as you know you get players more playing time more experience and that should benefit them more down the road in, in this fall. I heard uh, Coach Fobbs on Santoria's show last night and he mentioned the defense and just how stable the coaching staff is pretty much the same staff he's had since he's been there the last uh, four years. I think when, it's, when you're talking about Grambling, you want to talk about the offense. You certainly want to talk about the quarterback battle. Uh, he mentioned three names. He mentioned Wright and mentioned Hickabottom, but uh, also threw in uh, David Johnson. 
Uh, the Higginbottom kid, he's six foot four, two hundred twenty pounds. He played in nine games last year. Mm-hmm. He was pretty much a Kincaid's backup, Alabama native. Of course, Charles Wright being the Washita product, a lot of hometown connections around here. That should be a nice battle. I, I think that's where you talk about Grambling's offense. It starts with, but with the, all the receivers coming back, some talented uh, linemen and, and running backs. They're in position offensively to get it done if they just have a solid quarterback, and it appears they'll have one out of those three. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, again, it goes without saying, I mean, Kincaid, you can't just expect a guy to come in there and produce to the level that he produced. So, yeah, sure, I think quarterback position battle is the most of intrigue, but don't sleep on that, you know, secondary storyline as well. I think that's a, that's a good one to follow. All Fourth right, down. Last one. you got to pick up a half a yard. LSU, what's the biggest story? Will the will the cornerback depth be an issue, <laughs> <laughs> or will LSU throw it more under Insminger? Is the depth the question, or is the quality the question? I mean, Both. they've always had depth, right? Uh, or we thought not not this year. You look at it. Well, they have depth at quarterback. Corner. Oh, I thought you said quarterback. I, I thought that's where we always talk about with LSU. No, I'm, I'm trying not to talk about LSU quarterbacks this spring. I'm tired of that. Well, then I always love to talk about it. I say it's Enzminger <laughs> and, of course, the offense and whether or not he'll throw the rock around. Uh, with all the question marks they have at running back and, of course, them saying, we're going to open up the offense this year. That's always the storyline in the spring with LSU. Then yeah, they realize, okay. hey, we got this pretty good offensive line, and they always have a stud at running back. Why are we going to try to throw it when we can just hand it off to Darius Geis or Leonard Fournette? Now, though, both Don't of those, those guys are gone. Okay, we'll, we'll play your game. Uh, well, first of all, I'll say my own personal story to watch is the Damian Lewis kid, the offensive guard who could possibly replace Lloyd Cushenberry as the center. That would be a big help. The way he's been playing, the way you know the players talk about him, I would like to see him push for that starting position. Now, to go the route that you're going – you can go by what these coaches say, and we, we dissect it every year, and, oh, we're going to get the tight ends more involved, you know, that whole cliche. But this year I do think it's going to be different simply because Insminger acknowledged the fact that the wide receiver position is the team's strength. And if you look at it, I mean, there's no other way you can put it. That The wide receiver position is the deepest it's been in a very long time. You've got some really good talent. you got talent coming in. Uh, you got Giles, who's now eligible. Uh, the Justin Jefferson kid, the players have been raving about him. I, I can't wait to see him in live action. Mm. Uh, so, I, I listen, I think because of that, you're going to have to go to more five, five, four wide receiver looks, and thus you're going to have to throw it a little bit more regardless of who plays quarterback. So, yes, I do think they'll throw it more. I think that's a no-brainer. Now, that's why I think the cornerback position is the one of most intrigue to me because as for cornerbacks – you know, you got John Trey Kirkland, Kerry Vincent, and Christian Fulton. What do they look like? And is Christian Fulton going to be eligible? We'll have to continue asking that question until we get that, you know, answered. Uh, and also, the depth is so small that Manny Netherly is going to have to – he had to switch positions. Is he going to see the field? Is he going to have to see the field? He was, a, he was a wide receiver. And so, I don't know. I just think that's the one of most intrigue to me. And if you go with the quarterbacks – I guess another follow-up question could be, is anyone going to transfer after this spring? I think that's why they're trying to still mm-hmm. keep it wide open. They don't want anybody to leave because they lose their starting spot. Anyway, LSU has a lot of questions right now, a lot of questions. And I, for me, I want the quarterback questions answered before I label them as a contender or not. Hmm. So you're going with the cornerback? Yeah. Not the quarterbacks, the cornerback. The corner. There's four downs on this uh, Tuesday morning. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Hit us up at 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line. Go to stuartshelby.com for a free quote. The morning drive on the all-new Sports Talk 97.7 returns after this. Welcome back to the morning drive, 888-993-7762. Continue to discuss, of course, Gail Benson taking over the Pels and the Saints. I think that makes her now the fourth woman all-time to own an NFL franchise and just the third in the NBA. Sorry, I was reading text. What do we got? 
Uh, we got a few about LSU. Right. Uh, Randy says, was that a LSU throwback interview from last year? I think he was trying to say we were mm. talking mm. about the same yeah. topics. Yeah. I tried not to talk about the same topics, Randy. Went out of my way to do that. Russell. Well, uh, usually it was all about Danny Etley and how he's a solid, if not spectacular, college quarterback. Who but. said spectacular? You put words in my mouth. I've never once said Danny Etley was spectacular. I said serviceable, and with the quarterback play that they had been getting, serviceable was good enough for me at the time. Russell, number one question is, are you happy with your selection as coach, and is he on a short leash? Hope he is renting, hashtag fickle LSU fans. Mm. Uh, And then somebody says, what happened to LSU at Paris? He's still around. He's still playing safety. Uh, He didn't quite pan out like we thought he would, but he's still in competition for a safety spot. Mm. I was wrong. There are four women now listed as primary owners of NBA franchises, one of them not being Gail Benson with the passing of her husband 12 days ago. You look at her former interior designer, and you look at what she's got to do now with these two different franchises. Uh, Forbes has the Saints uh, estimated value at $971 million. While you look at the the Pels, they were one of 14 teams, according to ESPN, that lost money last year. So with those questions lingering, at the owner's meeting yesterday, she met with the media for pretty much the first time, and she was asked straight out, would you consider moving either the Pels or the Saints or perhaps sailing one of the two franchises? And her response was this. You know, I don't think there's any other choice. I think that's the only thing you could do is to keep to keep his legacy alive and where else would you go? I'm, I'm from New Orleans, my husband was from New Orleans and we're just like one big family over there. All our vice presidents and executives, we have lunch every day together and I eat with the employees like my husband did every day. So we, we kind of like family. Is it almost, I don't want to use the word upsetting, but when you see reports that would she sell this team, would she do this, is it, is it hurtful in some way thinking that people would think you don't have an interest in this, or you're not committed to New Orleans? No, it's disappointing to think that somebody would think that I would mess up his legacy. And this, but, you know, I guess everybody has their opinion, but I would never sell it, no. <laughs> how, how much over the years, y'all were married, did he, did he lean on you to, if he was making a big decision, how much input did you have? How much did, did y'all talk to him, talk about that? We talked about every decision he made. It, I had a, a big input on everything that he did. And... Um, it was we were very close we were together 24 7. there were only three days out of the year that we were apart is that and that was when he went to manresa so we were very close we were always together so we talked about everything and all his business i mean he was very interested in business and so was i and so i learned a lot from him and i'm so grateful you are uh now the fourth female owner in the nfl and only the third in the nba do you relish that opportunity to show that strong women can be strong leaders and, and strong owners as well? Oh, sure. I think it's very important, um, and and I feel very humble that I'm in this position, so I, I appreciate it. Has it sunk in that you're the owner of two professional sports <laughs> franchises? No, not yet, but my husband prepared me for this for many years, but I just thought it would be a long time before it actually happened, but now that it's here, I need to move forward. And that's what he would have wanted me to do. One of the things that stood out to me from last week is that the visitation, you stood in there and greeted everybody that came through for nine, ten hours at a time. Why was that so important to you to, to do that? Well, I felt like where else would I be? I mean, I wanted the last few days with my husband to be there, and I wanted to be there for the fans. And so many people came through, and they was just so happy to be there. And everyone expressed their appreciation for me sharing my husband these last few days. So it really gave me more energy to do what they were asking for. So it was really very special. And Ms. Gale, was there, in the visitation here, was there a story that someone told you that might've been a complete stranger uh, about your husband that just, just beamed with pride or something that made you laugh maybe that was that you'd never heard before? You know, there was so many different stories. I, I can't remember just one in particular, but there were so many people that came and told me so many stories about something he had signed for him, or it was their first game and he happened to see them and went up to him and talked to him. There were just so many stories that different people had. We had people from every walks of life. I mean, it was just amazing. And I just couldn't believe the amount of people that actually showed up. So it was kind of, it was overwhelming to see so many good people paying their respects to a man they, some of them had never met. So it was very nice.
your uh, your husband's work ethic is kind of renowned. He wears suit, shirt, and tie every day to work. Do you plan? You said you want to keep everything the same. Do you plan on going to the office every day, working and following in his footsteps in that regard as well? I have been going to the office with my husband probably for the last seven or eight years, every day. And yes, I do dress up. I enjoy dressing <laughs> up, and so do you. <laughs> what do you? What are your What are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not? You know. You know, my husband used to say, and, and I really feel the same way, my hobby is working. I enjoy going to the office. I really don't have any hobbies. I, I get up very early in the morning and exercise. I get ready for work, and I go in, and I leave 5, 30, 6 o'clock and come home. And on Saturdays, if we have a horse running, I'll go to the fairgrounds much, and attend meetings. How much discussion have you guys had and how you're going to honor him uh, when the season starts again? Um, we started the discussion but haven't quite finalized everything yet because um, we just, like I said, Friday was when we buried him. So we're still sort of honoring his death. So I know when the season starts, we're going to have another big celebration for him. I know we're here at the NFL owners meetings, but I know Commissioner Stern said something very nice that he felt like Tom was a football guy who liked basketball, where he said he felt like you look at both teams equally. Do you look at both of these entities in an equal capacity, Pelicans and Saints? I do. I feel like um, all of them are family. Again, just like the, just like the employees, I feel like all these, um, the football team and the basketball team are all family, just like the employees. And I embrace them all. I love seeing everybody. Sean, uh, Sean Payton uh, had written an article that was posted in the Monday Morning Quarterback, and he kind of mentioned in it that Mr. Benson was always in from a lady that uh, is not used to being in the spotlight or at least not having the microphones in front of her face, she handled that extremely well. Yeah, except the, the whole work quote. I don't love that. It's kind of canned. What? She rolls up her sleeves and she works out in the morning. She, she Her hobbies, that's her hobby is the to hobby work. hobby is to work. <laughs> Come on. That's a little canned. But I, I, I'm Jake was cringing over here when they asked about her hobbies. What's your favorite food? Your favorite color? Right, yeah. Well, you want to learn something about her. Well, I mean, like you said, she should be going to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, she is. She will be going to the Kentucky Derby. The, the thing is, though, I mean, I mean, she really hasn't had that long of a time to grieve. And basically, you know, there's some important decisions that had to be oh, made yeah. as both of these franchises plug forward. And, of course, she's going to have a horse in the Kentucky Derby after finishing second this past weekend and qualifying. Mm -hmm. So, problems of being... A, a rich person. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.